We live in a world that is forever changing, from one day to the next. Now add to that an inner world that is forever at odds with itself. How does one accomplish anything when the only thing that is certain is uncertainty? Welcome to the Lifting with Bipolar podcast, the show designed to be an educational safe haven offering real-world solutions for real-world people. My name is Jonathan Sharko. Living with Bipolar 1 in today's world is a double-edged sword, but I'm here to work through it with you. Let's get right into today's episode. Alrighty, folks, welcome to today's episode of the Lifting with Bipolar podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Sharko, and today we have a special guest, Waylon. Uh, Waylon is a co- Waylon is a good friend of mine here, actually locally in Reno, Nevada. We met through um, through work originally, but we've stayed in, stayed in touch. And I've always appreciated his perspective. Really well spoken gentleman. Really insightful things to say. Um, so we ha- we have a uh, ten questions. We'll be talking about motorcycles, motorcycle clubs, uh, mental health, and also Native American culture. So, and also uh, Native American culture and kind of the perspective uh, of mental health with that within that community. So. Uh, we'll just jump right into today's episode, and we'll let uh, Marvin kind of Waylon uh, kind of take the floor and kind of introduce himself. So, please take the floor, Waylon, and kind of let the people know who you are. Yeah. Um, hi to everybody out there listening. Um, I'm Waylon. I'm a 30 year old Native American male. I currently reside here in Reno, Nevada. Uh, I've been out here for maybe six years now. Um, I originally was born and raised um, in Rochester, New York. Um, For those of you who may not be familiar with the layout of New York State, Rochester falls in between the city of Buffalo and Syracuse. Um, I am an Akwazus, I come from Akwazusne Mohawk Reservation and my tribe is uh, the Mohawk tribe. And again, uh, my tribe comes from New York State. Um, This time it's the Northeastern side of New York State. So, there is a river that actually separates New York State and Canada. Um, that river is the St. Lawrence River, and there's a little island that sits right on that river. And that reservation um, starts in New York. It goes onto that island in the St. Lawrence River, and it extends over to Canada. Um, so for that, I am um, technically a dual citizen. I am an American and Canadian citizen. I'm in a, federal, a federally enrolled Native American tribe. I have my tribal ID and everything, so that's me. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, and don't hold it against him. I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan. And unfortunately, my boy is a <laughs> Buffalo Bills fan. He's always rocking the Bills gear. But no, I'm just kidding. So they'll, they'll probably have a good year. But yeah, no, thank you so much uh, for introducing yourself, Will. And um, we'll just kind of jump right into the questions. I think for the first question, um, I know that you're at a motorcycle club. So maybe can you share your personal experience of mental health challenges while being a member of a motorcycle club, if any? Yeah. Um, so all my perspectives, all my, you know, opinions and input is solely from my perspective. I know a lot of other organizations and things like that operate differently. Not everyone is alike. Um, my personal experience is my personal experience. It's no one else's. Um, but to get into your question, um, juggling, you know, mental health and as well as, you know, being in a motorcycle club full time is, um, it, it can be challenging at times, um, specifically, you know, being in a motorcycle club is, uh, is a full-time commitment. It's, um, you know, it's like a second, a second job. It's like, uh, you know, a full-time relationship or a full relationship, a full marriage. Um, so it, it takes a lot of time, effort. It takes a lot of, um, nose to the grind when it comes to, you know, organizing your charity events and things like that. And then, you know, trying to maintain, you know, a healthy mindset on top of it. 
Um, I always like to say people need to take care of themselves, uh, themselves not only mentally, but physically and spiritually as well. And um, I'm a firm believer in that. But um, yeah, I'm, it, it's funny you actually bring this up and we're actually doing this podcast right now because the last few days I've, you know, I've, I don't know if it's maybe the change in weather, the rain lately or whatever the case may be, but mentally, you know, it's been a little draining. Uh, my wife, she went over to New York on vacation with her family and everything. Um, so I'm not sure if maybe I'm be, I'm a little down because of that. But um, yeah, one of the things that I, you know, I like when I'm in a state like this is I can rely on my, you know, my, my chapter brothers, my motorcycle club brothers to really um, pull me out of that mindset. Um, I like to get on my bike. I like to ride. Um, there's times where, you know, you may be down and out, you know, feeling under the weather a little bit, but, um, and you, it may prevent you from wanting to get on your motorcycle. It may prevent you from wanting to do a lot of the club things that you're obligated to do. Um, but at the end of the day, um, you have solid, solid guys in the club with you that you consider family, that you consider your brothers, and you can rely on them a lot to help you get through whatever it is you're going through. Um, I know specifically I got a, um, a um, Iraqi veteran in my club. He did. He served 22 years, and I know he he suffers with a lot of you know, um, me- mental and uh, PT PTSD, and um, I know he relies on me heavily as well when he's you know kind of feeling down and whatnot to kind of bring him back up, pick him up, and and whatnot. So it, it's actually a truly beautiful thing if you think about it. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, it sounds like you have a, a real, a real community that you've kind of uh, like they kind of are part of and um, are nurturing. And uh, what, what, what kind of charity events are you guys doing? Maybe uh, what kind of what's, what is your next charity that you'd be raising funds for? I'm just curious. So actually, we're right dead smack in the center of planning our um, first annual run taking place here in Reno. Okay. That run, all the proceeds for that run, we're going to have raffle items. We have um, sponsorships from people like Indy Ridge Motorcycle Company, Reno Harley-Davidson, and you know, Road Rider of Reno. The list goes on. All these companies have donated raffle items for us to raffle off at our event to raise more money for a nonprofit. It's a Native American-led nonprofit here in the state of Nevada that helps out tribal communities. And their name is Tribal Minds Incorporated. And um, if anybody wants to look it up, you can go right to tribalmindsincorporated.org. You can Mm -hmm. find them on Instagram. And um, that's going to be taking place September 2nd, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's a Saturday. September 2nd, um, we're going to be utilizing Star Village Coffee on Mill Street as a registration where it's open to the public. Anyone can come. Even if you guys don't ride motorcycles, feel free to stop by to our starting point, which is going to be Star Village Coffee. Drop in, say hi. Um, it, it's it's going to be a great time. It's going to be a blast, and the money's all going towards Tribal Mines. So, yeah. Nice. Thanks. Thanks for that. I'll, 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 I'll be sure to include the website and maybe their Instagram handle in the show notes here for this episode. But, yeah, what a great cause. and. Um, yeah, I got to check out that coffee shop. I know right exactly where it is. It's kind of a mm-hmm. brand new coffee shop here in town. I got to go check that place out. It sounds great. Yeah. If you guys try it, the pine nut latte is phenomenal. No oh. matter if you get it hot or on ice, it's great. Pine nut latte. Nice. I'm going to steal that from you. I'll do that. Uh, I'll do that this week. Milo. Thank you so much. Question number two for you, sir. 
Have you noticed any specific issues related to mental health within the motorcycle community that need to be addressed more effectively? Um, again, um, if it happens, um, you know, the, the motorcycle club world as a mm-hmm. whole started way back in the early 1900s. I want to say like 1930s, 1940s, probably even prior to that. And one of the reasons why the motorcycle community got so big back then and the reason why it turned into what it is today was because from my understanding is a lot of the, uh, you know, World War II veterans and just veterans in general that were coming out of the war back then were looking for that camaraderie that they would share with their fellow brothers in the military. And they often kind of um, lean towards motorcycle clubs to get that camaraderie, that that brotherhood that they were looking for, and its sense has transpired into this. It, they're accepting of you know pretty much everyone, um, you know today. It doesn't matter if you're you know you're white, black, you know Native American, Asian, uh, Pacific Islander, whatever the case may be. But um, I just had a um, guy named Trevor who's who's in a motorcycle club here in our community reach out to me because he's been battling um, some of his PTSD and he wants to kind of manage it in a more healthier healthier way. So um, I took the initiative um, to actually invite him over to do a sweat to kind of try to um, combat a lot of those things that he's dealing with. And, you know, I just want him to be able to take something positive away away from it, whether it helps him, whether it doesn't. I just want him to be able to take something positive away from it. And I think, you know, us being a Native American-based motorcycle club, the actually biggest Native American or indigenous, I want to say, the biggest, the world's biggest indigenous motorcycle club is what I'm a part of. And I like to utilize my resources you know, my sweat lodges, my Sundance ceremonies, and so on and so forth to help other people out in the community, whether they're in the club or not, or in another motorcycle club, and how, you know, just lean on those guys a lot. And, um, you know, I wish Trevor the best. And, um, you know, hopefully he can get some some healing from it, some love. And, um, you know, different clubs, like I said, run differently. So I can't necessarily speak to how you know, other motorcycle clubs help out their members and everything. But again, um, for me personally, I like I like to help out who I can help out and how I can help them out, whether it be joining them into a sweat lodge or, you know, something like that. What They can even be calling me or texting me if they need to um, just for a word of advice, just to get their minds off things. So that's what I like to do. Nice. What exactly is a, a sweat lodge? I mean, in, in a, I guess... 30 seconds to a minute, if you were kind of explaining it to maybe like a child, like in a layman's terms. Yeah. So a sweat lodge is very similar to a, um, um, a sauna, okay. um, a lot hotter and a, a different concept. You're utilizing lava rocks and you're putting lava rocks in a fire. You're waiting for the lava rocks to heat up. So there's in the fire for about two to three hours. Mm-hmm. Um, the lodge is a covered lodge. It's got um, like choke cherries, um, branches and things that hold it up. You have blankets and everything is pretty much like vacuum sealed in it. Um, and then there's a pit in the middle. So ultimately you take those rocks out of the fire, you put them into the pit and then you, you use water with like sage and cedar and stuff in it. And you, you sit in the lodge and you pour um, water on the rocks while everything is closed up and you sweat and you use that time to pray for yourself. You're, your community members, your relatives, whoever who needs the prayers. Okay. Yeah, that sounds uh, very interesting and very um, 
I don't know, very positive, I feel like. I think uh, a lot of people don't know, including myself. I didn't know what a sweat lodge was, but it sounds like maybe something you kind of walk in there with one frame of mind and maybe you kind of walk out with a different kind of perspective and a different uh, different kind of set of, set of eyes. So, Yeah, um, it's pretty much like our our church almost in a sense. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, thank you for so much for sharing with the audience. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see here. Question number three. How do you think stigmatization, stigmatization, and lack of awareness about mental health impacts the well-being of individuals in your motorcycle club community? Ooh, this is a really good question. Um, the motorcycle club um, scene is kind of seen as kind of like this macho kind of community that you're a part of, and you all you you have to be like this tough guy to be a part of it. And mm-hmm. sometimes there's a stigma of where like oh, like these rough and tough bikers, like all they do is go around and and drink and fight and things like that. And I think Hollywood played a lot of um, um, narratives like that. They painted a lot of those. And, um, you know, I think because of that stigma, it sometimes gets to to some individuals to where they they feel like they can't necessarily um, spill their feelings out to, to another guy. Right, because guys are supposed to be nacho, uh, macho, and everything like that. And in the the society we live in, I think just in general, guys are looked at as they can only you know act in act in a certain way and and whatnot. And I think that also is very um, corresponding with the motorcycle club community. And I think that stigma needs to break. I think there will a lot there there will be a lot more good that comes out of out of that stuff because you know I hate you know. I, I hate anybody who who ends up, you know, going through something like that and feels like they don't have anybody they can turn to or talk to when in reality they have a lot of people that that they can turn to and talk to even if it's not in their own motorcycle club. I know they there there's people and there's bonds that are made and they can, you know, rely on those people. So yeah. No, I think Hollywood definitely played a big role in that. And I, including, you know, my own kind of perception before I met you really, you really kind of took the veil off and showed me how uh, motorcycle clubs are not this macho rough and tumble, like you said earlier in the show, just drinking and fighting and things like that. You guys really kind of come together, have a great camaraderie. And uh, really, it's just a good excuse to get together and build community and have do positive things for like nonprofits, like you said earlier in the show. So mm-hmm. I think it's important to get that message out there to really change people's perception next time they see somebody I'm um, part of a motorcycle club. They're actually pretty, pretty good people out there. So they are. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's see here. Question number four or five on our motorcycle club topic. We're kind of breezing right through these. This is awesome. Have you seen any instances where being part of a motorcycle club has actually helped someone cope with their mental health struggles? Yeah, I think, um, this kind of goes back to one of the previous questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of non-native brothers um, in my club. I have guys who are, in, you know, indigenous to Sicily, um, to Italy, to Germany, to Spain. Um, ultimately, we're all indigenous to somewhere. Um, whether you come from Canada, Germany, you are indigenous to those areas. Um, but again, um, my club brother, man, he, he he's a military veteran, and I, I know he goes through it, and he tries to go through it in the best, most healthiest way possible. And not resort to you know going down that rabbit hole, and um, I, I I know what it's like. I know what it's like to suffer with you know, um, just yeah, um, you know, mental um, mm-hmm. 
yeah, mental issues. And um, I, I try my best to really get to ceremony in the Native American culture. That that helps me a lot. I'm able to um, to express how I'm feeling. I'm able to get out what I need to get out. And um, I like to bring people in to share that medicine, to share that love, um, to help them get better um, mentally and spiritually. And I think, you know, that's one of the things I hear people, you know, who like to skydive and things, they say they that that's what their love, that's what their passion is for. And my love and my passion not only is for riding motorcycles, but um, helping people who need to be helped. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm glad uh, you got a big heart, brother, and uh, I'm glad you're out there really spreading some positive love out there, positive messages, and really just uplifting others. So mm. um, I realized my, my last question kind of tied into already some of the things you already answered. So we'll, got, we'll kind of go ahead and skip into uh, the Native American kind of portion of the questions. Uh, I think I have about five of them lined up just for those kind of a just prepared, just, just prepare for the agenda kind of lay out the next couple of minutes. So um, question number one, can you describe the mental health challenges that Native Americans face today? And what particular cultural factors may impact their well-being? Yeah, uh, I, again, another great question. Um, the Native American like population in the country, just the United States, is roughly between 1.2 to 1.5 percent of the entire population in, in this country. And um, oftentimes we struggle with finding resources um, because when the settlers came over and put us on reservations and everything. Uh, a lot of the reservations were secluded from a lot of resources, um, jobs, um, healthcare, you know, things like that. Um, I, um, what my reservation specifically is, is, is isolated from a lot of things. Um, we don't have major cities near, you know, my reservation and you have to drive, you know, an hour, two hours, even three hours to get proper medical care. And, um, Although our population is so small um, within the country, we do have some of the highest percentages out of all races when it comes to suicides, when it comes to mental health, when it comes to, uh, you know, domestics, when it comes to a lot of things, homicides, things like that. You know, some of those categories, Native Americans actually lead, um, lead the way in those. And, and it's sad and it's unfortunate. And there's times where um, a lot of people um, just need to be educated and aware of those things. Because although we do make up that little population of, of this country, um, we lead all races in, in, in some of these categories. And it's disheartening because, you know, it, it's not, um, it's not pretty much, it, 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 it's normal in a sense to, have somebody between the ages of 13 and 16 um, commit suicide on, on, on the reservations. And um, again, I was born and raised in the inner city in Rochester, New York. It wasn't until about six years ago when I moved out here to the reservation, I spent about four years out here on the reservation that I really got to see that um, all those things really magnified because the communities are so small as it is. Mm -hmm. The reservation I was on, maybe 300 people live on it. And so everything's magnified in your face, right? 
a lot of a lot of natives are are sharing homes and things like that. So when you have different personalities, you have different people, you have different situations going on in these homes. Oftentimes, you can't really escape it because you have really like no resources, nowhere to go. And um, a lot of these households too, um, they speak their fluent language. They speak fluent Paiute. They speak fluent Shoshone or Washo. And um, a lot of the elders do. And a lot of the elders, they, um, they're they the ones who, who really suffer and really get that short end of the stick. And um, it's not as easy as just getting up and going to the doctors, right? Because mm-hmm. um, with them speaking their fluent language, um, there's obviously a language barrier there. And I know there's a lot of um, bilingual workers and everything, but mainly the bilingual workers are English and Spanish speaking. And um, there's no really bilingual workers in a medical field or things like that to where it's English and maybe Paiute or English and, you know, Mohawk or something like that. So there's definitely a lot of hurdles that we got to get over. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that was something I learned in one of my classes at the UNR here this semester was just how I think they're actually going to teach the language. I'm not sure. Maybe it's like a um, like a continuing education class, but really trying to. Um, not to not let the language die off or, you know, keep keep fading away with the next generation as each generation passes. So I'm um, really just keeping that language alive. But yeah, it sounds like there's definitely some barriers and especially with your lived experiences, I'm glad you were able to share what you, uh, what you've kind of seen firsthand. Mm-hmm. Um, question number two is uh, in light of high prevalence of depression and suicide in native American populations, what are maybe some strategies that both traditional healers and Western trained mental health professionals can employ to better support individuals struggling with these issues? Um, I think a better understanding of kind mm-hmm. of the, 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 the traumatic experience that generations have experienced in, in the Native American culture. Um, you know, I, I speak to, to grown adults today um, on a casual conversation like me and you are having, and um, they're aware of it, but I don't think they quite really sit down and think about it to where they fully comprehend and understand like that, those generations of trauma. Um, and um, I mean, it's, it needs to be approached with that, with, with that same mindset, because, you know, we may not have went through it um, personally, you know, young, young men and women my age and everything, but we hear about it and that, that trauma is rooted into, to our heads, you know what I mean? And, and we're, we're brought up in those toxic environments and back then they wanted to kill all the natives off. And, you know, obviously they got most of us, but they didn't get all of us. And, um, it, it's, it's, a definitely something that needs to be approached that way. Um, because it's one of those things where, um, if you better understand a topic or, or a situation, I think it's it's easier for you to connect with those individuals. And um, I'm an open book. Um, I'll talk about any anything my my mental health struggles and and whatnot. And um, but the people that I can really relate to and really get close to are the people who understand my situation and I understand their situation. And um, I think that's how it needs to be approached, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of linking up and really just tackling this generational trauma, which I've, I've read recently is like, it's really laced in our DNA, you know, from the womb to the next, to the next born is, it's just passed along from generation to generation. So 
um, this generational trauma. It's not uh, it's not a fake thing or a, a woo woo thing. It's very real and it's uh, something that needs to be addressed. So um, thank you for being an open book and kind of answering these tough questions. I know that was a long, longer winded question. Um, question number three is, let's see here. What kind of current resources are available um, to address these traumas and maybe even promote healing? So are, do you think there are any resources right now or like we kind of need to get out there and really spread the word and really um, raise awareness and, and create some resources? In the Native community specifically, I think there there's resources that um, everyone can utilize. Mm-hmm. Um, are they relatively available to everybody? No, it's not like you can just go up and they're available like a Walgreens or like a Walmart where they're relatively everywhere and you can rely on those resources. Um, in the native community, you don't necessarily have that, um, which is why a lot of natives resort to their old ways when it comes to ceremonies and things like that. Because, I mean, it, it, it I wouldn't call it a religion. It's more spiritual than anything. And a lot of them turn to that because, um, you know, the, the resources are, are so small. Um, I think, um, you know, outside of the native community though, um, I know there's people who run organizations and, you know, it helps with different things, you know, um, domestic, you know, violence and, and things like that. But I think, you know, statistics and, um, speaking about statistics and really opening, um, the door for, um, knowledge and shedding light on these situations is, will will help because I think more people will want to take initiative on wanting to help out, you know, Native Americans and, and whatnot. So I definitely think that's, um, that's important as well as just having those conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think promoting those conversations are super important. We actually had a, an audience member who listens to the show kind of submit a question today and maybe really t- touching on the topic of, you know, stigma uh, within the Native American community and getting help for mental health. So, uh, have you seen such a thing maybe in your time since Rochester and uh, maybe even to today within your within your local uh, reservation? Have you seen any kind of like stigma stigma like associated with, you know, seeking help for mental health, seeking help for depression? You know, there's a lot of teenagers, like you mentioned earlier, who are committing suicide. Is there kind of uh, just a stigma around just having kind of having these conversations with these topics within their community? Yeah, <clears throat> I believe there is. And again, um it, you know, it's one of those things where just us as people were programmed to where, you know, I don't know if it's my grandparents like always raised me to to not show emotion and, you know, just be this tough, rugged kid. And if mm-hmm. I fall off my bike, like I can't cry. And I think that's really been programmed in a lot of our heads. And I don't think it's you know, makes you weak by any chance or by any means. If, if someone is very open with their emotions, especially, um, you know, mental health issues and things like that. I don't think, you know, because somebody opens up to me that they're any less, lesser of a person than I am or anyone else. Um, because we all deal with something, um, you know, anything just because I go through something, um, and somebody else goes through maybe something that, you know, I've already been through in my life, that doesn't mean they're a weak individual. That doesn't mean what they're going through is, you know, not, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I guess like not as important, you know what I mean? Cause everyone's mental health issues are important to me. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, especially in the native American community. Again, I was only on the res for, you know, a few years, but I've, I've over those few years, I got to develop a lot of, 
relationships with a lot of the community, um, elders and, um, you know, kids and things like that. I have kids of my own. So um, seeing other kids and other families and my kids interacting with them and everything, I got to develop a lot of those relationships and bonds with with people. And um, I see how some of the households are on the reses and they're kind of the same mindset, like, oh, like, fall off your bike you can't cry you're a man like that's not what men are supposed to do and i don't think we should program our kids to be that way necessarily you know in some instances yeah it's fine but in all instances i think you know we need to be um we need to teach our kids that it's okay to to get help for for mental health and things like that because i've personally lost club brothers i've lost friends to mental health and um, I wish, man, they, they would have reached out to, to me, you know, yeah. to somebody to, to confide into. And I, you know, I don't want them to feel like they have to bottle anything up. And because they're a man, they just have to deal with it and, and whatnot. So um, we need to break that stigma for sure. And um, it all starts with, you know, our kids, these younger generations, and we need to encourage them and uplift them and love them. And and let them know that things are going to be okay, that life is going to get hard, life is going to get difficult, but you can't let it keep you down. You know what I mean? You can let it keep you down for a day, but you know, you can't let it keep you down forever. And that's the mindset that we need to start, you know, especially on the res, teaching Mm -hmm. these younger kids and teaching the younger generations and every generation after. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, uh, I think we were kind of were able to go through all of our questions. I think you were able to touch on a lot of things. This has been really a great episode. I think we're right at the, maybe the 30-minute mark, so uh, really packed in here, a lot of information. Maybe you can take the, the last few minutes, maybe kind of plug maybe your motorcycle club, maybe some things that where we can find your things like that if you feel comfortable. Yeah, um, so I'm on IG. I'm on Facebook. Uh, Razor Ramon is actually my Facebook and IG name. Um, funny enough, I'm wearing a Razor Ramon shirt, uh, for all you wrestling fans out there. Um, add me, feel free to message me, um, about anything that you guys have questions on, anything that you guys want resources on. Um, I'll help you guys out as much as I can help you out. Uh, motorcycle club wise, I ride with Red Rum Motorcycle Club. Um, again, we're the largest indigenous motorcycle club in the world. Um. We have all walks of life in our club. You don't have to be Native American to join it. Um, as long as you got, you know, your head on your shoulders, you got the right attitude, you're all about peace and positivity. You're all about helping people, um, giving back to, you know, our, our communities, our Native communities, non-Native communities, things like that, um, and really believe in, like, the Native values and traditions and things like that, like it's a fit for you. Um, obviously, we're a motorcycle club, so you need – you know, to ride a motorcycle to be a part of it and everything. Cause I get those questions. Hey, can mm-hmm. I join your motorcycle club, man? And one of the first questions I ask is, do you ride? They're like, no, unfortunately you have to be on a motorcycle. And uh, for all the women too, we have a sister club. It's called the Red Spirit Women's uh, Riding Motorcycle Club. Um, both of my club and Red Spirit, you can find on Instagram. You can find on Facebook. Uh, some of you guys may know a guy named Jason Momoa. Um, he's in Fast and the Furious. He played Aquaman. Um, Jason Momoa is also in Red Rum Motorcycle Club. Um, so he, he, he's a full patch member in our club. Um, we also have really good guys like uh, Knock Bear. 
Um, he's a really big musician. He's in our club as well. And um, outside of that, we're all over the country um, from California to New York, uh, Barcelona, Spain, Morocco, Africa, New Zealand, Australia, Germany. Um, we're everywhere. So um, if I, yeah, if anybody has questions, comments, you know, anything like that, feel free to reach out to me. Um, and yeah, um, that that's it. Yeah. Thanks, Waylon. Yeah, I'll yeah. Uh, I'll drop your your Instagram handle on on the on the show notes. People can just click on it and kind of find you and reach out to you. You got a you got a big heart, brother. I really appreciate your time today and really sharing your perspective. And maybe we'll have you on again in the future, bro. For sure, I appreciate it. Thank you so much, and uh, I hope you have a good rest of your night. So, thanks, man. Yeah. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of Lifting with Bipolar. Stay connected with me directly through JonathanSharko.com. You can also join the discussion on Instagram at Jonathan Sharko. As always, thank you for pushing your mindset and heart towards a better reality. This concludes the most thought-provoking portion of your day. Don't forget to please leave a review of the podcast as well as subscribe to stay fully up to date. Until next time, be kind to yourself and each other.